0: Best thing that came from it was feedback, direct, honest, sometimes even brutal feedback that led me to make some changes around the packaging. And even the formula and the positioning. So when we first started, you can Google Ethan's and still find our old bottle. Like, and now it's a much more well-designed, appealing product. Changes like that came from the selling process of like being told no and asking why.
1: Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Ethan Hirschberg. Ethan, I'm so excited to have you here because our listeners are going to have their ears up for your story today. So thank you for joining us It's an honor. Ethan, tell us who you are and what's your mission.
0: As you said, I'm Ethan. My company is actually called Ethan's. My personal mission, even outside of Ethan's, is just to create products that make a big difference in people's daily lives. At the moment, that's taking the form of health and wellness and nutrition. I tend to gravitate towards that because that mission manifests itself in the products we make. You can kind of see them over my shoulder. You know, daily doses of either energy or immunity or wellness that are very kind of like easy for people to take and integrate into their daily lives that I've committed a lot of time and energy to making sure the products are actually effective and actually make a difference for people. It's kind of more of a personal mission that's manifested itself in what we make, but I really, really enjoy making products. So that's kind of my personal passion and mission.
1: Please tell us, like, where did this all begin?
0: I'll try to do that as succinctly as possible. So I have a background in food and beverage. I grew up around it, and then that was my first job out of college and been involved in that world. My mom, she's a three-time breast cancer survivor and she actually started a program. It's like an anti-cancer lifestyle program so around building your lifestyle, your nutrition, environment, exercise, basically like a healthier lifestyle. And so I kind of like took all my learnings there and started diving into like the health, wellness, nutrition world and I worked for a beverage company in San Francisco for a few years, kind of learned how to make products and then just started doing research on my own. The very first product that I made was like an apple cider vinegar shot. I don't know if you come across apple cider vinegar. This was like six years ago. So it was still, at least here, it was still just on like niche health blogs and stuff. But what I was finding was amazing. All the research, and studies around it were really kind of cutting edge and and inspiring. And so I started working with a friend of mine who's a nutritionist to design a product that had, you know, the right dose of apple cider vinegar. And then we started working in other complementary ingredients, turmeric and black pepper to create my first product, which I just made right in my kitchen. It had all the right doses of all the organic best sourced ingredients. When I went to make a product to sell, it was like, Way too expensive and hard to make. And so that was my first sort of like butting up against reality. Like I had this like golden idea and then I had to actually like figure out how to package it and sell it and make it work. And so that was where it all began. Man, since then it's just sort of taken on a life of its own. Now our main products are actually energy shots. I don't know if they have five hour energy over where you are, but there's probably something like that. But it's a big phenomenon over here. It's on like every gas station counter and the mission has kind of evolved. I mean, it's still the same of just like to make products that are addressing people's needs and helping them in their daily lives. But that can take any form, right? So like this energy one was a big one where it was like, I know a lot of people are out there drinking energy drinks that are actually bad for them. Like I've seen the reports on all the ingredients that are in there, the things they put in to make the blood rush to your face so that you feel the sensation of energy. I mean, these are sort of like, I don't want to say bad actors, but they're making products that are not good for you. Like they're actually harming you. That become a big part of our mission, is on the energy side but really it's still just sticking to making research based organic sustainable packaging non-toxic packaging like we use glass bottles for instance that's kind of like the story of a few years condensed down into a couple minutes of how we got here
1: you wanted to make everything organic this was your mission and then you butt up against all these reasons why it's too expensive to make how difficult it is to move away from your original idea how did you manage to do that
0: i think it really depends on the person what i've said to a few people is take Those companies that I just mentioned who make like those bad energy drinks, right? At some point, that was like a founder trying to create something. Maybe that founder was just trying to make money. That might just be the case, which is fine. That's oftentimes how businesses start. But any mission driven company, like it starts off with a founder, they have an idea, and then they start encountering things. So I just think like at that moment, you have to decide what are like your non negotiable things. Because as you go through building a business, you just run into challenges that test your commitment to your values. Because there's always a cheaper, there's always a corner to be cut. And when you have investors and a board and you need to save money on margins, those are the first things to go out the window are like the more expensive things that you wanted to make in the first place. So what I did really I have like my non-negotiable things, which are organic Organic has been the hardest thing to stick to. I mean, everything we make, we run into massive challenges on cost, but also on like formulation. There are certain ingredients I want to include in the energy shot I know actually really work, but they're not organic. And so like I have to pick and choose there. And I think that's a really important one to me that I'm just been like, no matter what, we're not going to do anything non-organic. doesn't matter the cost. And then the other one that I just mentioned is like the glass bottles. I hate single-use plastic. I hate drinking and eating products out of plastic. And so really like those two for me were like my non-negotiables, no matter what they cost. And then everything else, it was, you know, I started off with my juices were not from concentrate. And then I was spending a ton on shipping and things like that. But then it was like, I looked into and did some research on like juice concentrates. And it's like, okay, they're not that bad. They just evaporate the water out of it. We're going to save a ton of money on shipping. So you kind of find other places where you are willing to make compromises to make your product feasible, if that makes sense. So like your question of just like, you start butting up against things and then you just see where you can make concessions that are still within your kind of value range and see if you can start to make it work. And nobody starts with great margins or anything. So you have that, but then you just have to kind of piece it together as you go. And I think sometimes you do run into something where you're like, I cannot make this the way that I want to. And then you have a decision to make. of Do you just abandon the whole thing or do you kind of stray outside your values? But it's a difficult challenge for any mission driven company.
1: Your company name is Ethan's and that's actually your first name. Why that specific choice?
0: It's actually really funny because I started to write these like from our founder emails that go out to our email list and people seem to really like it. Just like little letters about what's going on with the company and my challenges and things like that. And The one I just wrote was about being front-facing, being like a marketing founder. I have this responsibility to the company because I chose to put my name right on the front of it. Naturally, you're like, well, who's Ethan and why should I care? right? But the original decision, so I had this apple cider vinegar product that I was ready to bring to market. I had the bottle, the cap, the place to make it. I had all the ingredients and everything. I needed something to call it. And I was actually going to name the company something. I had some ideas around vinegar. That was what I wanted to do. But somebody gave me some really good advice, which was like, hey, you don't know what you're going to start to make after this, right? Like maybe you make your detox vinegar drink and then you want to make something else. And that was exactly what happened. And so they were like, let's think of something that is kind of less product specific and, more just kind of like an umbrella to start building your brand under that people are gonna associate your brand name with you know the values rather than just the specific product and I didn't really have any ideas one thing I do like is that is true is that I made these products me and my co-founder but like I made these products literally with my own hands you know and I think that like there is something to be said for it's like I'm putting my name on this you can google the company and you'll find me and I think that there is something to be said for that in business of like like A for the consumer to know like there's a real human being behind this product. And I think also to kind of say I endorse this product. It means a lot to me. And I created it and gave it to the market and I stand behind it. It sort of turned into this cool thing. I don't really like the front-facing marketing side of it personally, but I think it's turned into a nice connection. Our hardcore consumers like email me. You know, my email's on the bottle too. It's like Ethan at Ethan's.com. And so it's kind of turned into this cool like connection, I think.
1: Ethan's, it sounds sort of like craftsmanship you know craftsmanship behind the products that's the sense that you get about it and since you did mention that it started with sort of founders letters it's interesting now to ask what were sort of the values that you wanted to put forward and what was your process with that i
0: guess like i said the values of the actual product organic and sustainable packaging like those are the values that are baked into it i guess the other one is kind of what i just mentioned which we've kind of gotten away from like the intimacy of food i know that everything i make if i'm lucky enough to people buy it they're literally putting it into their bodies like there's no bigger responsibility i think than that and so to make something that's like potentially harmful to people is they're trusting you and the brand on your bottle enough to put it inside their own bodies which is like a pretty big responsibility one of the values that i try to carry is getting back to taking that responsibility seriously and letting people know that there's a real human on the other side considering them i make products that like my mom and dad eat and drink if i would make something that I would give to them, then you can trust, I think, at least someone cares enough to think about it that way.
1: Just a quick ask, if you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. You've made your first batch and you've gone out to sell. What was that like?
0: That's the biggest imposter syndrome moment, right? Like everyone talks about the imposter syndrome. The way that I chose to approach it, it was not to like pretend that I knew more than I did because I didn't know anything and really just talk about the product, kind of like what we've done and just show my passion for the product and use that as like my selling story. But I will say the best thing that came from selling was like I didn't make a sale really for like, you know, a year probably. Probably. And the best thing that came from it was feedback, direct, honest, sometimes even brutal feedback that led me to make some changes around the packaging and even the formula and the positioning. So like when we first started, you can Google Ethan's and I still find our old bottle. Like it, it was like a black label and then it said Ethan's and then it just said apple cider vinegar shot, turmeric or whatever. And now it's like bright yellow packaging and it says Ethan's daily detox without Apple cider vinegar. It's a much more well-designed, appealing product. So changes like that came from the selling process of like being told no and asking why, and then giving you direct feedback about why it's not a good fit or it doesn't taste good or whatever. The only thing I'll say about that is like everyone has an opinion. You have to kind of be careful about whose opinions you take into consideration and actually make changes. But yeah, the selling part is is very vulnerable. I'm better at it now and. I have better resources and i understand more but the only way to get to where you feel confident and like you're well prepared is to jump in the ring i think
1: so for one year what do you mean you didn't get a sale for one do you mean like you didn't sell a lot for one year
0: my process at the very beginning was like and actually we still kind of do it like this like we actually don't run a full commercial production run you know we make what we call bench top samples which is a fancy word for like in your kitchen i mean now we do it in the lab but back It was just in the kitchen and then just kind of like hand label products. And then it was a matter of like trying to make connections and go to trade shows and have people take a look at your products, that kind of thing. But I guess I meant like a big chain retailer that was what I was really focused on and that's how most people start off in food and beverage certainly but probably any like CPG is getting a reputable chain to say yes bring you into distribution and kind of like start that real commercial journey I guess I kind of skipped a step in the story because the very very first product I made was actually an apple cider vinegar beverage like a full-size drink people were excited about enough to get me meetings but then I kept getting rejected at the last second because there were other companies making stuff like that. So then I downsized it for like a more of a unique angle and we started making the shots. And that was when people started saying yes because they thought it was like unique and interesting enough. And it's small, so it doesn't take up a lot of room on the shelf. So you start to learn things like that.
1: After every time, like let's say you have this meeting and it doesn't go as planned. They're excited, but it doesn't go as planned, but you get some feedback. What was your process like?
0: We did it then and we do it every time we have a sales meeting now is like a little debrief. And I mean, we take things as small as like some anonymous Amazon review into account when thinking about our products, you know, because it's like anywhere that you're getting really, really direct feedback. So like not from your best friend about your products, that's the golden ticket, you know, because people will just be as mean as they want. So a couple big developments that have happened. Well, first of all, the whole reason we launched the Energy Shot line because I kept going into meetings with my little like wellness shots and I kept hearing and even at like demos and stuff like that, I kept hearing people be like, So is it an energy shot or what is it? And I'm like, Well, no, it's for something else. But then I was kind of like, Man, everyone sees a shot, like a two-ounce drink, and they assume it's an energy shot. So I think that's an interesting bit of feedback. We just launched an extra strength energy shot that came from a sales meeting because someone was like, How much caffeine is in it? Oh, it's not as much as this one, that kind of thing. And so So that got my wheels turning, like, oh, maybe we should make an extra strength. So a lot of our product development and changes come directly from sales meeting and just from anywhere that you can get consumer feedback. That's why Amazon is so amazing. For me, at least, it's like, I'll just read through all our Amazon reviews and actually make changes. Like if a bunch of reviews say it tastes bad, we'll go change the flavor in real time.
1: The first time you see your product there next to other products in the store, what was that moment like? Do you remember?
0: Of course, it's still like... Like the best feeling ever. And actually, there was one time in the first few months that I was on a sales call with my co founder and we went to go check a shelf. This is when we had gotten a little bit of traction and we were in Whole Foods. We went to like the local Whole Foods, I think we were in Dallas, Texas or something. And we were looking at the shelf and then we kind of moved down the aisle and someone else came over and was looking at the shelf, and he and I were both peering around the corner watching her, you know, as she picked up, like, our competitor, read the back, put it back, picked up our shot, read the back, kind of went like that, and, like, put it in her car, and that was, like, the coolest moment, you know, I just, I'll always remember that. I mean, seeing it on shelf is one thing, but seeing someone actually make their first time buying decision is, that's, like, the best thing
1: ever. Congratulations on this. This is an amazing, amazing thing that you've accomplished, Ethan, and such a great mission, to treat- between you and your co-founder, like how yeah. did you sort of match each other with your co-founder or what was it that you were looking for in the co-founder?
0: Complementary skills are clearly pivotal. If I'm being honest, I think the marketing thing that we talked about, that's one that neither of us had. And so I've had to kind of like adapt to that, or try to, you know, doing things like this or writing a newsletter or like filming little TikTok videos, the stuff that I really don't want to do. I think complementary skills are critical. The journey, especially in the beginning, but it never really ends, is just really difficult. And if you're alone, it's very isolating. And if you have someone else there, that you're aligned with, like it tends to kind of like one person can get pessimistic and the other one kind of will pick them up. Right. And they kind of can fluctuate like that. And I think that's really helpful because anyone listening who has started a business, just, you know, like, especially when you're alone, it's lonely and isolating and hard. And I just think having someone to pick you up or you picking the other person up is probably the most valuable thing that comes from having more than one person and just more ideas. A lot of the companies I've seen up close with more than one founder where it's worked they have complementary skill sets and i think you hear that a lot probably i think that's a good way to to start and limit your mistakes is by having two people who are good at different things
1: i know a lot of our listeners would want to find this out because a lot of people with product ideas think well how am i going to get funding or how will i get an investor So i thought i'd just ask you ethan like how you went about that process
0: i got some really good investment advice recently which is just to instead of just blindly you know you start to build your company and then you just start asking everybody right daryl on your last podcast it's sort of the same thing when he was saying like think about for them this is an acquirer not an investor but it's sort of the same idea it's like what they're gonna see as risky for you and i thought that was really good advice because you're so excited about the potential and everything like that but like their job is to evaluate yes the potential but also the risk and so how do you make them feel like you've at least accounted for the risk or are aware of the risk and going to steer away from it Think that's really a really sound bit of advice from him, and then I think, like, for us, our investor conversations have gone a lot better ever since I had more of an idea of the market. At first, it was like, I have this product, it's really good, you know, and they're like, Okay, cool, I don't really care. And now it's like, Okay, look, the market size is this big, we think we can take this percent of it. And here's an example of a couple of retailers in which we actually have taken you know, 5% of the shot market. And it's like, now we have sales leads in these other channels. And if we can apply that, something that we've already done, over here and here and here, then the business will be this big. It starts to be a much more data-driven, grounded, business-oriented pitch. And I think that's where people started to kind of believe in it. In the very, very early stage, it's like the only good investment conversations I had were with people who are founders because they understand. That's why founders, in my opinion, make the best investors, A, because they're typically like the most patient, but also just because they get where you are. Like I've done some investing at that stage. And at that stage, it's Strictly about how much do I believe in this person? Cause there's no real sound business plan. It's more about showing them that you have what it takes, I guess, convincing them with that. Yeah.
1: What's the advice that you wish you got at the beginning? Things that you sort of had to learn the hard way.
0: I think for me, the thing that I had wished I'd focused on more was people always ask about your target demographic. That's like a almost just a standard sort of throwaway business question. What's your target demographic? And I think in the beginning, I just didn't take it that seriously. I'm like, yeah, it's for everyone. You know, they're good products. They do this and everyone and anyone can buy it. But I think there's a lot of good conventional marketing and branding wisdom around target demographic and the idea that if you build it for everyone, then you're kind of not building it for anyone. And like to build with a specific customer in mind it took me a really long time to get around to like okay i mean years like to get around to like here's who we are talking to and what do they want to hear and like you start to kind of like imagine you're target customer and that's the person to target and then anyone else that that ends up participating in it, great but I think that was one where I and I don't know if this is going to resonate for people or maybe I was just like the stupid one but I would take that seriously I think being too general I always thought like again let's just make products for everybody and I think that that was a mistake in hindsight.
1: A lot of the things you hear a lot, the foundational things which sort of seem like they're not important are actually the most important
0: and I think was some sort of like ideal around that where I'm like, no, that's like the old madman type of marketing. Over time, I've just realized that that's just a truism of building a consumer-facing brand. You have to be really, really maniacally specific about your target customer because people need to feel like it was made for them. In
1: the moments where you felt like you wanted to give up, or things just got so hard that you were like, is this even worth it? Did you have any of those kind of moments?
0: Oh, I've had a lot of those moments. Yeah. I would love to meet someone who has never had those kinds of moments because I'm jealous. Unfortunately, a lot of founders and including me at times like sometimes you find yourself operating out of fear and i don't think that that's a good place to be i do think that like some of my highest performance has come from like when i've been really scared about the future of the business but if you can get yourself mentally into more of a inspired optimistic place i mean it could be in the same day in the morning you're feeling just paralyzed with fear and in the afternoon you have your coffee or your energy shot or something and you start to feel like yeah maybe we can do this but it can be the smallest thing like so for me again going back to like your first question the thing that keeps me going in harder times is like when i see and receive like direct feedback from customers you know like i'm tying a few things together here but like i told you i put my email on the back of the bottle occasionally i'll get one that's like try your product it sucks most of the time it's people being like wow this has made such a big difference for me or like my wife We can't drink coffee because of that or i tried energy drinks because of this i worked a night shift for 12 hours or i was sick with something and like your immune products you know like that kind of thing and i just have all those like bookmarked in my email and i'll like read through them because you get so bogged down at least for me i'm in retailer pitches and dealing with operations challenges and whatever and you start to get further and further away from like just meeting your end consumer and a lot of times you think the retailer retailer is your customer but it's really the person walking in the aisles that's like shopping for their family right so it's like the more you can stay connected to that person and for me it's like have a bit of feedback about how all this work we've put in has actually made a difference for even like one person that puts me in more of like an optimistic frame of mind and i think that's a better place to be in terms of kicking yourself into gear and being creative yeah all the things that you need to do in those early
1: stages i love that's Finding a way to stay inspired and reminders of the impact that your work is having. You know, when you're starting out, you know, there's so many things that need to be done. As you keep doing things, you realize, oh, there's a gap. I need to learn how to do this. Uh, Okay, maybe I need to learn how to do social media, do social marketing. And you're trying to learn things and you're trying to get the business up. And you're trying also to be a person who also shuts down all those thoughts of the business. How did you navigate those, especially in the early years?
0: Well, I think first is like just being honest with yourself about what you don't know and kind of starting there. But I also think that, look, like it served me really well to this point to always believe that I can learn to do something, which I think is, I don't know if that's like sounds obvious. And actually that was another bit of great advice I got was like I told someone that I'm not good at marketing. And most people would say, oh, wow, interesting. And they were like, give me a break. Like, I don't buy that. And I think it's like a cop out. This is them. They think it's a cop out when someone says they're not good at marketing or sales. You start this thing and you have to get good at those things or get competent at those things. Being a founder by definition is being a general right you have to do everything and so you have to be confident in yourself to learn so i I really like that that person kind of pinned me down on that and said don't give yourself that out of just saying oh i'm not good at this and maybe i'll hire someone who is challenge yourself to maybe read a book about that or go on twitter and read interesting threads about it i don't know there's a lot of good resources saying you're not good at something or you don't know something is a cop-out and i've been guilty of it in the past but i think uh it's good to sort of like you know keep yourself disciplined about that.
1: To the audience, please go to ethans.com or they can find the products on Amazon. Ethan, please let us know what is the number one book that you would say has sort of made an impact in how you've gone about things?
0: It's actually not so much a business book, but well, actually I have two. One is Different by Young May Moon. And I don't know if you've heard about that one, but again, going back to this like branding and packaging conversation, that was the one that for me kind of kicked me into gear on like, okay, I have to become a great marketer. And how do you build a brand that is different? Like you have this great product, but how do you build the brand side? And then everyone knows Brene Brown. Dare to Lead is the first book that anybody doing anything should read and particularly in business, I think. But that book is just cover to cover. It's full of wisdom and truths about life and about business and leadership and building. And so... I would always recommend that one. And I think her big thing is vulnerability. That's kind of like the good stuff. And that's the stuff that people pick up on and that leads people in the case of business or branding. It could be anything, but that's the thing that leads people to kind of buy in and get interested is like, if I go out there and I just act like I'm bulletproof and it was written in the stars for my company to be the greatest company that ever was, that's not as interesting as someone who just had an idea and wanted to try to build something that's sort of rooted in that idea of like being vulnerable and kind of putting yourself out there which is the basis of any business or podcast or like you name it you have to put yourself out there which is that's hard.
1: Uh, Ethan where do you see ethans.com 10 years from now where are we going?
0: With Ethan's like I mentioned a few specific products, but what we're building or what I'm trying to build is something different in the, I say food and beverage, but it's really supplement space. I think supplements is like this category that's really kind of a little bit of a dirty word where it's like supplements. Like what, you know, what I'm trying to do is build a trustworthy, transparent, health oriented, better for you supplement brand. And so right now we have the shots, which I mentioned, we have a little drink mix powders. So you like put these in your water and this is an energy one. We have immune and stuff like that. Trying to make this brand into a platform for, I guess, just functional supplements that are actually rooted in nutrition and research that are good for you and bioavailable and don't have any of the drawbacks of frankly just the conventional sort of supplement space and that's my hope is to build the brand into a platform that people can trust and go to for energy immunity detox sleep you name it So, so that's the idea and i'm hoping that's sort of where it evolves to thanks for mentioning the website and amazon and also if you're in the u.s whole foods cvs walgreens a bunch of gas stations, so you can pretty much find us anywhere, all 50 states, so appreciate it.
1: Yeah, so exciting. Now, my last question is always, Ethan, what has faith meant to you on your journey?
0: The only real faith that I've had is just that if you do something with the right intentions, you're going to end up somewhere good, and that includes, like, if the business failed, that I'm doing the right thing. And again, that goes all the way back to the first question, which is if you're just doing it to make money, you're probably more likely to give up when things go wrong. When you're doing something for like what I would say kind of the right reasons, like because you have a mission and values that you're trying to instill in a business then A, it makes you stick around longer because you actually care. And then also like it at least gives me faith that it's going to make a difference for some people and that even in the end, like I personally will be better off for having done it regardless of what happens. I think that's the most important thing is like you can't guarantee success at all when you start a business, you don't know, but just knowing that you're going to come out on the other end, okay, and probably better for it regardless.
1: This has been such an inspiring conversation. And for me, the audience every time they see that ethan's and when they buy it they're going to remember that they were fortunate to see you going around doing your personal brand facing even though you said you hate it but (laughs) it's so good to hear from the person who's built the brand and who's built the product and to know how much care you put into it so thank you so much ethan and thank you for sharing your journey with us
0: thank you for having me and thanks for doing what you do i
1: hope you got a lot of information a lot of actionable things out of these episodes please two huge favors from you please let us know what kind of things you'd like to hear and if you really love the episode please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app thank you for choosing to spend your time with the reinventing perspectives podcast we value you see you again next week